0: So get ready, it's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey everyone, it's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I'm glad that you are here with us today. As you all know, on this podcast, we talk about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. Two things before we get into today's episode. First off, if you have not already done so, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen to the show on so that you never miss an episode. And secondly, we recently launched the Move the Ball merchandise store. There is a link in the show notes, so be sure to go check that out. Get yourself some swag and rock that you are a part of the Move the Ball movement. For today's episode, I've got a great guest with us. Inside the huddle with us today and ready to talk about his experience and what he does to move the ball is Nate Harrison. Nate, welcome to the show. Hey,
1: how you doing? Thanks for having me.
0: Good, I'm good. I'm glad to have you here. Excited to have you here with us. I know you're going to get pretty busy with OTAs soon, so I appreciate you carving out some time. Let me just share a little about your background for our listeners. Nate is an NFL cornerback who currently plays for the Minnesota Vikings. He played college football at Temple University, and he was drafted by the Indianapolis Colts in the fifth round of the 2017 NFL draft as the 158th overall pick. During his time in the league, in addition to playing with the Colts, Nate has also played for the Jets, the Baltimore Ravens, the Broncos, and like I just mentioned ago, he's currently with the Vikings. So we're going to talk about Nate's football journey and more on the show. All right, Nate, are you ready to move the ball? Yes, ma'am. So you've been in the league for a few years now. You're going into year six. How has your perspective changed over the years regarding the NFL as a business compared to when you first came into the league And how prepared were you when you first transitioned into professional football that this is really a business versus just all about playing pro ball?
1: I think coming into the league, you're definitely a little naive, but you understand to a certain extent that it's about, it's, it's a business. But yeah, going into my sixth year, I've been traded before, I've been released before. Just seeing how that process works, you get to see the business side of it. I think if anything, it's just helped me respect the business of football. I think after I'm done playing the game, I would like to do something in that front office, whether it's scouting or or, uh, trying to be a GM or something like that, because I actually like that part of the
0: game. Gotcha. And is there anything now that you look back on your five-plus years going into your sixth in the league that you wish you knew coming in as a rookie?
1: I think the biggest thing I wish I knew is that it's no – one set journey. You know, we all think it's supposed to go a certain way. You do this for X amount of years and this happens and this. But um the NFL, everyone's journey is different. You got first round picks who are out the league in three years, then you got undrafted guys that play forever. So it's no this is how it's supposed to go. Everyone has their own journey. You you have to run your own race.
0: Yeah, and I like that you mentioned I mean, you've got guys that like you mentioned that were first, second, third round picks that only last for a short time. And there's people that come in as an undrafted free agent and they have a long, long career in the NFL. So it's really it's not about how you got in the door. The door is open. And so then it's it's up to you to perform and and create your path from there. Exactly. We recently had the 2022 NFL draft a few weeks ago and also rookie minicams and have happened for many. And uh, members of the current draft class have begun their transition into becoming professional football players. I want to walk through your pre-draft process and then your transition into the league. But uh, before I go there, I want to share something that some people listening might not know about you and your college journey. So you were at Temple, as I mentioned uh, in your bio, but some might not know that you didn't start at cornerback. You actually played wide receiver for a a few years and then made that switch. Talk to us about that transition.
1: So I I played wide receiver Majority of my career, I pretty much played corner my last year only. My coach pretty much just told me, um, I, I kind of was in a doghouse, just in the rotation, not really getting a lot of minutes playing offense. And um, he told me, you know, if I wanted to clean, fresh slate, this was something I, I could do. And, and he saw it going well for me if I committed myself to it. And um, going into my senior season, man, I just, I really, really, really committed myself to learning the the defensive back position, learning technique and fundamentals uh, because I was behind the eight ball. So I put in a lot of work, man. Um, I knew I had the God-given talent to do it. I just need to put the work in and try to catch up to everybody else. Big shout out to my coach, Coach Francis Brown. He worked with me day in and day out, sometimes to 10 o'clock at night. And um, we were just putting in work, man. And and I got really good really fast. And thank God I'm where I am today.
0: And when you look back at that journey, what was your mental state? Like, you knew you were behind April already, and so you needed to work a little bit harder. And, and so what were you really focused on? I know you were, you know, doing extra studying, learning technique, but what kept you motivated to really excel and perform at this new position, and which was, you know, your fourth year uh, playing college ball?
1: Actually, what was, was kind of funny is he's now the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Todd Bowles. He went to Temple, and uh, he came to my spring game. And uh, my DB coach was telling me, hey, man, listen, if you commit yourself, I, I think you'll be an NFL cornerback. I know what it looks like. I- I've gotten guys to the NFL before and you have what it takes. And, you know, this is my college coach. I'm I'm thinking, OK, it sounds good. And uh, Todd Bowles came to the Temple Spring game and he talked to me after the game. And, you know, he was I want to say the head coach of the Jets at the time or maybe a D coordinator something." And um, he pulled me to the side and he was like, you know, I like what I see from you. And, and if you commit to it and you keep going, I, I think you, you'll be an NFL guy. And hearing that from an NFL head coach, that's all I needed. That I was ready to go from there.
0: And you ended up showing out that season, ended up getting an invitation to the East-West Shrine game. And that was at uh, Tropicana Field in St. Pete, Florida. You ended up impressing scouts and analysts during practices, ended up recording three combined tackles during the game. you were on the East team. What was that experience like for you? It's not just about the practices the games there's interviews there's all kinds of other activities going on during that week. Share with us your experience there
1: man that's kind of your first your first time you know temple's a it's a d one school but it's not the biggest school in the world. It's not an Alabama it's not an s e c program or or, you know, Big Ten or Big 12, one of those big conferences. So going to that game, for me, what it did was kind of boost my confidence because I got to go against guys from these powerhouse schools, and um, I got to see where I was compared to them. And and coming out of that week, I was like, okay, I I think I'm better than these guys, so I I think I can do it. And uh, this is what the NFL talent looked like. And then also, that's kind of your first peek at the business side of it because not only are you going out there and playing football, you are having meetings with scouts that night. You might go eat dinner with one, hang out, talk about your life and get to see him pick and prod at you and uh, see what you're about. So it's kind of your first peek at the business side of football as well.
0: And as you were going out to dinner and interacting with these scouts and the teams, is there anything that uh, caught you off guard, caught you by surprise?
1: Maybe the questions, they they ask some some crazy questions, man, and they know some crazy things about you where you think, I, I don't know how this guy knew that Did they talked to my parents before I got here or, you know, so that that's probably the craziest thing.
0: There is a lot of research that goes into what evaluating players, it's not just about what you do on the field. They look at your whole life and they do a deep dive into your background for sure. Exactly. Now, you were one of the players that ended up getting an invite to the combine. You know, there's not that many, but uh, when you look at the total pool of college football players that are draft eligible, it's only a very select few end up getting the combine invite. What was your mentality like after that East West Shrine game and the week and preparing for the combine?
1: I took it like uh, checking boxes off of, off, of a, off of a list, right? So, boom, you take the season, check that off. I did my thing. Then you take the the East West Shrine Game, boom, did my thing, check that box off. It's just going down the list, checking it off for these people to know I'm a legit guy. And then the combine was the next test for me, man. I, I was anxious, to be honest. Like I said, coming from Temple, it's not the norm. You know, we we put guys in the pros, but it's not like a, a SEC school, so. And I I was anxious to once again, get around these guys, compete and show that, you know, I'm one of the top guys in the draft as well.
0: And I I know a lot of guys that do training for college athletes to get ready for the combine. Where did you train and what were some of the things that you were really focused on getting ready for that event?
1: Yeah, I trained at a spot called Fisher Institute in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. For me, a, a lot of guys are working on their 40s and everything like that. And I was as well. But my main focus, I was working with a DB coach by the name of Will Sullivan. That was why I went to that facility, because I was new to playing defensive back. So I wanted to get with him and soak up as much knowledge as I could, you know, to get ready for the pros.
0: And when you look at the defensive back position, what do you think are the skills necessary to be elite and excel at it in the league? And how do you think being a wide receiver helped you with that?
1: Great question. Of course, all of the things you need to have, quickness, uh, quick twitch, speed, agility, all of those things. But being a receiver helped me transition just because I I understood the wide receiver position. DBs and receivers are, are the enemies of one another. That's who you compete against in the game. So it helped me to know, okay, I play receiver. What would I do against this? And I was able to take that knowledge and apply it to my game at DB because I played on that side of the ball, just knowing what they're trying to accomplish.
0: And you mentioned how the East West Shrine game in that week was kind of a first taste of the business side of the NFL. The combine, as a lot of people say, is the biggest job interview that an NFL player will have. It gets you more exposure to kind of that this is a business, right? You've got the combine process, such as there's medical stuff, there's the combine drills, the positional drills, but there's other things that go on, interviews and things like that, What did you like about your combine experience?
1: I think for me, it's kind of camaraderie, man. Like you, these guys that you spend that week there with are getting ready to go to the pros with you. So it's kind of see how everyone blossoms. And, oh, man, I remember at the combine when we, you know, we ate lunch together, we we ate dinner together. And now look at you or look at me and and see what we've accomplished. So it was really that camaraderie, man. That's what I like about it.
0: And uh, we recently did, as you know, a Path to the Draft series on the show before the draft. I had a number of guys who were at the Combine on the show, and some of them talked about their experience at the Combine and how you, it's just being mentally tough going through all it's the long days. You know, you're sitting in medical for doing all kinds of tests, evaluations, uh, measurements, stuff like that, and, and uh, how they feel like you really have to stay mentally sound to be able to perform for those positional drills and, you know, the combine drills itself. When you look at your time there, I mean, how do you stay locked in? How do you stay focused? You're busy, you're moving here and there doing all kinds of things. How did you stay locked in so that you could perform when you needed to perform?
1: Uh, I think just having your priorities in order, man, just knowing, like I said, it's nice to have that camaraderie there, but in the forefront of your mind, you always got to remember this is an interview And that's what I'm here to do is to ace this interview. So I just kept that in the front of my mouth. You know, you have fun and you talk to guys and, you know, you may get frustrated with the mental strain, but I always reminded myself, hey, this is an interview. This is an interview, you know? So that's how I stayed on top of my game.
0: And during the combine, you ended up having a four-five-two official 40 time, 35 and a half inch vertical, 9 feet, 10 inch broad jump. You chose to keep those numbers and not do those drills during pro day. Pro day is another quote-unquote interview, right? Another opportunity for scouts and teams to evaluate and assess whether they want to bring you on to their organization, should they get an opportunity with you, if you're still available during draft day. What was some of the the thoughts that went in your head? I mean, there's a decision about, do I want to keep these numbers? Do I want to do the drills again? What was your thoughts about just sticking with what you had done during the combine versus you know trying to improve upon them on pro day?
1: When I ran, uh, I had like a small tweak in my hamstring So I knew my numbers weren't as best as I could have done because I I mean I was recording better numbers while I was training and we were doing the testing. But the thing that was that sucked for me is that my pro day was two days after the combine. I think the combine was done on that Monday. My pro day was on Wednesday. So I didn't have time to heal up or I didn't have time to go practice anything that I wanted to fix. If my pro day was maybe a month later, I probably would've would have redid some things, but you know, it was what it was and, you know, let the chips fall where they may.
0: Well, I think they did OK for you or you did fine with, with them. So let, let's fast forward April 29th, 2017. Big day for you. That was one of the draft days. The draft was held in Philly, Philadelphia Museum of Art uh, is where they, they did the draft. What was it like getting the phone call and finding out that you were getting picked up by the Colts?
1: Yeah, I think it's mixed emotions, right? Because on one on one hand, you know, your dream is coming true. I'm about to be an NFL player. And then on the other hand, you kind of feel like, hey, it's some guys that I think went before me that I, I feel that I'm a better player than. It's kind of mixed emotions. It was like, okay, thank you. You know, now, now let's get to work so I can show, you know, what I am. That was kind of my mindset.
0: As you transition, so, I mean, right after the draft, you're on your way right to indie getting ready for rookie mini camp and 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 other activities that the team might want to do before well, as i mentioned when we just uh, when i opened the show we had this patch of the draft series we've got guys that have just finished their rookie mini camps and they're doing this transition what was your transition like from draft day to going to rookie mini camp and then to training camp
1: so i think after we got drafted like the next day in the mailbox was like our iPads which is your playbook so that whole week leading up to rookie minicamp, you know, we were getting on uh, FaceTime with the coaches and going over our plays and they were testing us on the plays. Boom, you come to rookie minicamp, you're getting ready and, and learning your plays and then you're going out there and competing and then you go right into the training camp. So that rookie season is almost like a year long in, in terms of how long you've been playing football because you go straight from your senior season in college. Then you train and get ready for the combine, do the combine. Then you go right in the rookie minicamp. And then you go right in the training camp. Then you play that season. So you didn't really get a break from playing football. So all of that stuff is just going. Like once you get that call that you're drafted, it's time to go, go. Everything is go.
0: And I wanted to bring attention to that because uh, people see what they see on social media. If you're not in the business of football, you don't know all the, the details and extra work that goes behind the scenes people see the draft they see people celebrating they think okay you know you get to have this draft party and celebrate and then later on you'll show up for training camp and and get to work but no you're always working like you said from the day you're done playing college ball you're training those are long days training getting ready for the combine getting ready for pro day and then it's the draft and then boom away you go ready to work there's no break there exactly What advice would you share with these young men that have begun their transition into the National Football League, these rookies? What would you pass on to them about them getting ready and preparing during training camp and just getting ready to become a a part of the league?
1: I would say run your own race. Don't worry about, you know, everybody next to you. Run your own race. Remember that every day is an interview. And uh, when I say that, everything is recorded in the NFL. What time you get to the building? when you're in meetings, there's cameras everywhere. So so everything is known. So just be a professional, man. And when I say that, be on time and everything. Carry yourself like a professional would. And, and if you do those things and run your own race, you, you'll end up where you want to be.
0: And you've been in the league for a number of years. Past the average career of an NFL player, they say that uh, the average is about two and a half years obviously that's that differs depending on position but it's about two and a half when you look across the board of professional football players what have you been doing to really help ensure your longevity in the league I mean taking care of your body is an important part but what else are you doing
1: so of course you have you know everything you do from there taking care of your body uh, ice tubs hot tubs lifting the weights that you're supposed to do rehabbing what you're supposed to rehab doing maintenance on the small nicks and little bumps and bruises. And then um, the big thing I had to learn, I'm just learning the past couple of years, is when I'm supposed to be resting to rest, man. Because, you know, when you're a guy that likes to grind, you you kind of feel guilty taking two weeks off in the off season, like, man, I'm laying around. But your body needs that, man. You've been lifting, you've been playing a brutal game and a game that that involves collisions. So when you're not in it, you need to rest, man, and let your body heal so that you can do it at a high level next go round. Mentally, man, is the same thing. So when I'm in football, I'm in football, and that's my number one priority. When I'm away from football, I like to step away from it, man, spend time with my family, go on a vacation. I like to read a lot. So I just try mentally, I try to get away from the game when I can. So when I'm not in season, when I'm not in training camp, when I'm not preparing for those things, I like to just stay completely away from the game. And when I'm in it, fully locked in.
0: And what kind of books do you like to read?
1: Oh, man, I I like so many different genres. I think my number one uh, history, I like a lot of Black history things. I like to learn about Black history. So uh, that's probably my number one genre.
0: So my listeners know that I'm into books as well. I've written a couple books myself. This whole Move the Ball movement started because I wrote a book about football. And um, it was, of course, called Move the Ball. So a question that I like to ask uh, guys that I have on the show to the plate in the league is, you know, football teaches us so many lessons and strategies on how to be successful, not just the teamwork, the discipline, the dedication that you can get from any team sport, but there's other things that you can take away from it as well. So when you look back at just, you know, playing football as a kid to to now, what are some of the things that have helped you from football to be successful, not only in your professional football career, but just in anything that you've done in life?
1: I think some of the, greatest lessons I've learned in my life have come from playing football. It's the ultimate team game, right? It's eleven guys on your side of the ball at at all times, right? So you have to work with all of these guys in order to be successful. So, you know, just those things that you learn from that trust, discipline, you know, going through Temple University, one of the hardest things we had to do, man, or I had to go through because, you know, we were waking up at five A. M. doing workouts and you know, if one guy missed the workout, we would have to do his workout for him. So you learn accountability. You don't want your teammates to go through hell because of you. So now I'm accountable, trustworthy. You can trust that I'm going to be where I need to be when I'm supposed to be here. And um, responsible. Just so many things that you learn from playing a game of football. It's the ultimate team game.
0: For sure. Now, you're. we've talked about your rookie season a little bit. So one thing I wanted to ask you about is that first time that you suited up, as a cult, made your NFL debut? Like, what was that like for you? How did it feel going out on that field?
1: So many people ask questions like that. And I think when it's your profession and when you feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing, you kind of don't, you don't really notice how big of a moment it is. It just feels like every other day, like, you know, this is my job. This is what I do, so.
0: Makes sense. So at the beginning of 2018, the Colts ended up firing coach uh, Chuck Pagano brought in Coach Reich in, uh, to, to be the new head coach. What was that coaching change like? What was the difference in style from Coach Pagano to Coach Reich?
1: Coach, I, I love both coaches, let me say that, first and foremost. But Coach Pagano was a defensive guy, so when it came to the defensive play calling and who he spent his time with, he was around the defense. So I, I had a, a good relationship because he was always around. Coach Reich, another great guy, but he was an offensive-minded head coach. So he spent most of his time with the quarterbacks and, and and all of those guys on the offensive side of the ball. So we didn't get to spend as much time together like myself and Coach Pagano.
0: Earlier in our show, you talked about, we've mentioned the NFL as a business. You've talked about how you've been traded, cut, all of those things. In 2019, you were traded to the New York Jets. What was that like uh, going through that experience of like, just oh, you know, I've been traded?
1: I mean, I, I was prepared for it. I, I had asked to be traded. They let me get traded to the Jets. So I was prepared for it. It didn't come as a shock or anything like that. I think the biggest thing is just how quick it is, right? Like I think they told me at maybe noon, like, hey, we we got to deal with the Jets. We're trading you to, to New York. They might've told me that at noon. And I was on a plane at maybe 3.30, and i have never been back to Indianapolis since. So if you can wrap your head around having to pick up your home, you know I had lived there for two and a half years. Pack your bag and go to a new state in three and a half hours to never return. You know, it's kind of crazy to wrap your mind around something like that. How quick the turnaround is!
0: Right. Yeah, they don't mess around. I think things move really quickly when it comes to, to to moving. When you're out, you're out. Exactly. So you ended up going to the Jets. Then you did a, a stint with the Ravens on the practice squad. Then went to the Broncos and. uh, where you were reunited with the now Vikings defensive coordinator, Ed Donatel. Like What was it like just kind of moving around and playing for the different teams? It
1: was cool, man. The thing you learn about football is football stays the same, man. The verbiage changes, you know, this squad may call it this and this squad calls it this, but it's the same thing. The game of football doesn't change wherever you go. So if you keep that in mind when you're learning a new playbook or whatever, it helps you helps you move quicker and adjust quicker
0: sure now this past season you ended up playing in 16 games with the broncos played 148 snaps on defense 241 snaps on special teams when you look back on this last season like what was the most memorable experience for you
1: the things outside of football man the broncos they, they got a good squad over there it's a close-knit room every room in the nfl isn't like that where all of the guys get along from top to bottom you know a guy like Justin Simmons to a rookie on the practice squad. It was a cohesive unit. Everyone got along. No one thought they were too high or too low. It, it, that was probably my biggest, my most memorable moment from from being with the Broncos was just that, man, how close into that group was, that defensive back group.
0: Mm, I like it. Now, I'm one of those people think we should always be looking back, reflecting how we've grown, how we've changed, kind of just thinking through those opportunities and those moments. How has playing in the National Football League helped you to, over the last five years, helped you to grow as a player and become a leader in this league?
1: The journey I've had, man, uh, being traded, being cut, all of those things where I can say, hey, I've been the number one guy on the team, the starter, and, you know, the, the number one corner, and I've been, on a practice squad before and everything in between you know some guys can say hey I've only been on practice squad or hey I've only been a star I've been everything you know throughout my journey so I can see from everyone's lens and um, I I can give advice to everyone because I've been in their shoes Uh, I think that's what I like about my journey is I know I know how everyone's feeling you know.
0: Sure, because you've walked in those various roles, you have those perspectives that you can connect with other players that are in those positions today. Exactly. So at some point, football will come to an end. You've talked about you know, how you might want to get with a team um, as a scout or, or a GM or you know some, in some capacity. What are some of the things that you're doing now from a business standpoint? Are you focused on any other business ventures or is it all about football for you right now?
1: Kind of both. Uh, when you're playing football, you kind of want to be locked in on it because it is so short lived. But at the same time, you want to prepare for when it does come to an end because it does for all of us. Number one, you know, just investing your money, being smart with your money, whether that's stocks, bonds, whatever you choose to do. Uh, I have my money in the stock market, and that's what I focus on. I want to be a franchise owner as well, so I've been looking into some restaurants from Wingstop to Taco Bell. Papa John's just different things to see what I'm interested in doing but I think I want to be a franchise on this with
0: I like it and I completely agree with you about you know you need to be locked in on football but you also need to be positioning yourself for what's next because for most guys I have a lot of guys on the show I mean it happens sooner than you think and it's usually not your decision right it's a, it's an injury that happens and that's a career ending injury or a team cuts you and no one else picks you up. And so that wasn't your plan, but uh, here you are now having to figure out what's next. So I think it's important that guys are planning for that earlier than later. And so it's one thing that I I get to do and and work with a lot of professional athletes on kind of their brand and, and setting it up to attract the opportunities that they want. Something else I like to talk about on the show is move the ball is not just about what you do in your career, but it's also about the impact that you make in the lives of others. And so something that I know that you've been involved with before is the Boys and Girls Club. Being involved in the community is something that's important to you. What are some of the things that you would like to continue to do to make an impact while you're there with the Vikings and and just in general?
1: Just getting acquainted with the, with the Minnesota community, man. It's always cool to go to a new city, see what's different about it, and and connect with the people in that city, man, and, and see the differences throughout the country. So I'm excited to get acquainted with the, the Minnesota community. I do a turkey drive back in Washington, D.C. for Thanksgiving. So, you know, just doing things like that to, to get my face in the community and, and you know, help people and, and help put them in a better position.
0: I think that's great. So what I want to do now, Nate, is I want to walk you through my two-minute drill and ask you some fun questions to end the show. Are you ready? Yes, ma'am. All right. The first question is, when you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? NFL football player. There you go. What three words would you use to describe yourself?
1: Tenacious, resilient, and humble.
0: Great three words. What is one thing that most people don't know about you?
1: Pretty introverted, man. It it takes a while for me to kind of come out of my shell. When I do, I'm I'm a fun guy, but it takes a little minute to get there with me.
0: Okay. The next question is, what book are you reading or what podcast are you currently listening to?
1: Um, I like to listen to a podcast. Cast okay, called Earn Your Leisure. It's a guy named Rashad Balao. And uh, they, they just talk about finances. Uh, it, it's definitely geared to younger Black people. So that's cool to to get into that lane. So I, I like listening to those guys a lot.
0: The next question is you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why?
1: Number one would be Jay-Z. Just because of what he's accomplished in his career of going from you know a kid from the projects, transforming into a mogul, I we'll would probably say Michael Jordan. We all know why, and uh, LeBron James, man, because I think Le- I think Michael Jordan's the best player of all time. But I think uh, off the court, you know what LeBron James has done, you know the I Promise School, you know being a-, a married man, and you know having a beautiful family, all of the things he does, I. I would like to model myself after him. So those three.
0: Three great choices for sure. The last question is, do you sing in the shower?
1: I do not sing in the shower.
0: Okay. As we look to end the show, Nate, let people know, where can they follow you? Where are you at on social media?
1: You can check me out on Instagram. That's pretty much the only social media I'm on. You can just type in my name, Nate Harrison, last name H-A-I-R-S-T-O-N, and uh, I should come up.
0: Perfect. And we will have that link in the show notes so people can follow you and keep up with all the great things that you are doing. Nate, thanks so much for being on the show today.
1: And thank you guys for having me.
0: And thanks so much to everyone for listening. If you like today's episode, make sure that you share it with a friend or two or three. That's one way that you can help me to move the ball. And also be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out the link for the Move the Ball merchandise store and get your swag. All right, everyone, thanks so much again for listening. We will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball in your business, with your brand, or your career, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com.